Hello, hello, hello. I am your Betty Crocker, hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. Hey there and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And if you are new around here, welcome. Welcome. Yes, this month on the heels of Pride, hopefully all, if you were in New York or any city that celebrated Pride this past weekend, hopefully you were safe and you had a blessed and fabulous time. I know I did. Oh, I am still in recovery. But if you are new around here, you know, I am so honored that this month Apple Podcasts decided to highlight me in their Pride playlist under Passionate Voices. So welcome. Welcome new people. Welcome old people. If you don't know, I am the only food podcast on the airwaves that celebrates LGBTQ people you know, 52 weeks of the year, right? In the food space. So yes, welcome and get ready. Gird your loins because we are going on a ride, folks. We are going on a ride. What is new, folks? What is new? I don't know. I don't know why I decided to pick up restaurant work in the evenings. I, you know, I must have been bored and or off my meds that day because let me tell you, it is exhausting. It is exhausting. And I am seeing, you know, a lot of tomfoolery firsthand. Folks, if you can't, if you can, I should say, if you can afford to go out to eat, you can afford to tip, folks. So don't be a jerk and just do that, right? Act right. Learn how to act right. And, you know, um, a little like compassion and grace while you're out there because, you know, although a lot of places have lifted all these COVID restrictions, a lot of restaurants and a lot of people in general just are still not comfortable, are still dealing with the PSTD, uh, the PSD of it all. Um, and and yeah, it's it's a new world we live in. And I know that, you know, a lot of these restaurants are using QR codes these days that you order and pay from. And now people are like, well, if I'm ordering and paying from my phone, why do I have to tip? Because there's an entire machine behind the scenes working 
to get you everything you need and still create some sort of experience for you. And that's the soapbox I'm on today and that I am quickly going to get off because I am really, really, really excited for today's guest. And I'm sure you're saying out there, when are you not excited, Michael? But I'm, you know, the gay liberties keep on coming and I'm just going to keep on keep on dancing uh, to it all. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, the award-winning pastry chef himself, Justin Burke. Say hi. Hi. How are you? Good. <laughs> How are you? I'm and welcome. good. Thanks. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. Uh, did you celebrate Pride? Have you so cel- when is South Carolina Pride? Uh, I just was talking about this. Um, so in the South, mostly it's celebrated in October with National Coming Out Day. Um, so we don't really do. There aren't really many organized like celebrations or parades. There are a few cities that do it, but really we we focus on October. So it was jarring when I first moved down here. I was like, where are all the, where's the parades? Where's the festivals? Where's something? And yeah, but we do it. I mean, we do it more intimately. Like we are like neighborhoods. We'll, we'll do block parties or we'll host parties at our home. Um, and this year it's been making up for last year. So it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I I agree. I think everyone has a little bit of claustrophobia as well, just being stuck inside. As as most of my listeners know, I live in 120 square feet in Times Square and being stuck in this box for a really long time uh, and being the social being that I am, I was like just busting at the seams that I could go out and like, you know, be with the fam, you know, be with the fam, new yeah. and old. I just I just wanted to be in... Just among one other person. I'm like, can I just stand next to someone? <laughs> I can just, we don't have to talk. Yeah. I just want to stand next to you. Right? Yeah. It's like I said, it's a whole new world. And, um, and, and we're all navigating it as best as we can. But before we get to the getting on, Justin, in the grand tradition of In Your Mouth, I need to wish you happy National Mai Tai Day. It's Mai Tai Day? Yeah. I mean, off the heels of Pride. I mean, what's more fitting than Mai Tai Day? That's true. Oh. Well, I need to run to the store and get stuff then. <laughs> could, could, there, could there be a gayer cocktail? Uh, I don't think so. Not really. I mean, for those of you out there that don't know, a Mai Tai is a cocktail based on rum, curacao liquor, Orgeat syrup and lime juice. It is one of the quintessential cocktails of tiki culture. And they're really yeah. good. But you have to have the tiki cup. I mean, like you have to. Yeah, you got to get like the tiki cup, the whole, the, uh, I, you know what? Actually, no, because <laughs> I am, I am a hater of crushed ice. What? Yeah, I hate crushed ice. Why? Does it take up too much room? It takes up way too much room. <laughs> Two sips, you're done, and I've just paid eighteen dollars for two sips of a of a cocktail. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't disagree. I don't know. There's something I love crushed ice. You know what no, I don't like? No I don't ma'am. like the ice that's hollow in the middle. That's like round. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, um, uh, the butthole ice. That's what I call it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awful. I don't like that one, but I guess we all have yeah. our ice preferences. <laughs> 
I mean, I mean, as as a man who enjoys butthole, I I can't discriminate against that ice. But uh, <laughs> we're we're off we're off to the races. Welcome to in it. your mouth. Uh, <laughs> but no, just much like I do not like a coupe glass, right? Because it's oh, no. two sips of a cocktail and it's gone and you just $18 down the drain in this city. Yeah. Like, no, don't give me, don't give me a glass full of crushed ice, but I'm here for a Mai Tai. And tiki culture is just so interesting in the sense of like some, some man went to Hawaii, loved it and just brought it back to like the mainland states as tiki culture. Like, you know, I mean, a little bit of cultural appropriation at its best. I mean, I think I uh, wish we knew more about it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But you know what? No matter what you celebrate out there, you know what? Just pour yourself a cocktail, crushed Mm -hmm. ice or butthole ice. No matter. Or just open (laughs) up the No matter how you're drinking it. (laughs) We. (laughs) Right? Just Just just, open up the bottle and go for it. (laughs) These days, absolutely. We need it. (laughs) Uh. We celebrate you on this National Mai Tai Day. And moving right along to this day in gay history. And I actually. Love to hate this one um, because we celebrate a lot of gay history here. And this is something I didn't know. Did you know that in 1969 in Kew Garden, Queens, a vigilante group cuts down all the trees and bushes in a certain part of a local park popular as a gay male cruising area. Lamenting the loss of greenery, the New York Times runs nine different articles on the ensuing controversy, the Stonewall uprising and the connected protests in the preceding days are mentioned a total of three times. I did not know interesting. that. Interesting. Like, interesting factoid that's like Stonewall adjacent. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, that people were so mad that like... We're going to cut down trees. You know, gay men were like hooking up in the park. So they're like, cut the trees down. So like, like, we don't, the trees, whatever. Like, you can cut the trees down. We'll still do it. <laughs> and according to Dirty Twitter, the rambles are alive and well. So, I mean, I mean could you imagine them doing I mean, that now in the environmentalists? Like, I mean, oh, yes. I mean, the the environmentalists would have a heyday. The, the you know, the, the climate change people would have a heyday with it all. And I mean, yes, climate change is real. We support science here on In Your Mouth. Uh, we believe in science, I should say. And um, it's, yeah, it was just, I just found this an interesting adjacent factoid to, to A, people be angry at, LGBTQ people and be like Stonewall adjacent because all we hear are is about like what happened at Stonewall, the police coming in, so on and so forth. But there was it just goes to show you that all sorts of things were happening in the community, around the community, and you know, and the way it was handled. Um, yeah, no, in I the mean, media. it's absurd, and it's so interesting to define those things to 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 discover them and just see like how much was actually going on because because our history has been so silenced and not talked about i mean i think for i think still for decades we're going to be discovering all these things that were happening that we had no idea that have had such a massive impact on who we are our generation 
Um, it's absolutely it's sad, and it's in, but it's also in, encouraging in a way. I, I don't know why it's encouraging, but it's, I think it's encouraging because we're taking the time to really explore these narratives. This this what's been just oral history. If you didn't, if you didn't, you can't find it in books. There's no, there's no documentation. Absolutely, absolutely, and great transition into talking about you. <laughs> and I talk, uh, and also, um, just um, preach to the people because you can't find it, but you know where you can find it right here on In Your Mouth every week. <laughs> because you know, I say it all the time: our our history is rich, but it is short. You know, and so uh, that's why this is so important to me, and this is what I've love that I've discovered about you in doing a deep dive that you and I have been talking a lot about the same things um, and haven't crossed paths just yet. And we've been talking about it for quite some time in in the same way. So this is why I'm super excited to have you on the pod today. And for those of you out there that don't know, and you probably do already, Justin Burke is a food writer, recipe developer, and award-winning pastry chef and baker. His work includes kitchen culture and mental health, queer food, and American dessert history. Justin has contributed to many publications, including Eater, Compound Butter, The Local Palette, Food and Wine, Garden and Gun, The Kitchen, Cubby, Baked from Scratch, Unpretentious Palette, and Dirty Linen, just to drop a few unknown names. <laughs> uh, you might have heard of them. <laughs> I mean, I, I they were all new to me, so. <laughs> but, um, and I usually start at like the very beginning of the food journey. But with you, I want to start at a very, very specific place. And that is queer food and how to define queer food. Because I've discovered in the time that I've been doing this that I actually haven't ever defined queer food and what that means. Although this is a queer food podcast. And... You speak very specifically in an article about queer food and um, and some other things that are adjacent to it. But let's start there. How do you define queer food? Sure. I love this question. And it's been kind of recently like my like my goal to help define because, you know, we toss queer food and the term queer hospitality around, especially in the past five years. Um, but uh, who is we? A, who is we? Because besides you, I haven't heard anybody but me toss these phrases around. Okay, yeah. So in the media, but unfortunately in food media, we only hear about it in June. It's like, I always say, oh, I'm popular again. It's June. <laughs> but, yep. you know. You and, De- you and Deborah Cox. Right? Get like, the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's. There are these queer food writers who are who are trying really hard to to get our history, our our identity, or representation out there, and so we've started using queer food and queer hospitality as these terms to to put a, a, an identifier to it. Unfortunately, there's there isn't time in these brief articles because there's no books. There's no books about it. Um, I mean, John Bursall does. He has been working diligently on, you know, representing the history of um, James Beard. You know, he was a closeted queer chef. Um, 
and he's he's working at that and so it it's part of that but you know we say these terms and we let the masses just interpret it and of course the first thing you think of when someone says queer food they're like are there gay ingredients <laughs> you know they think in the literal sense and for me you know i look at queer food it's it's not tangible you can't you can't see it it's not the actual food it's it's the the meaning behind it. So I always talk about queer people have been displaced because their blood families or their closest friends don't accept them when they come out and and just outcast them. And so, you know, we traditionally have moved to more coastal cities, um, you know, New York, Boston, Chicago, uh, San Francisco, LA. And Paris, Texas. Paris, Texas. Yeah. <laughs> and we 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 go and you know, we're, we're lost, we're stranded and we lost, we don't know who we are. We're trying to find out. And we find and build our chosen families. And it was before there were more, you know, queer businesses, establishments that were safe for folks to attend. Um, and, and, and before that there were just specifically gay men bars in, you know, the sixties and seventies. And so, these queer potlucks, lesbian queer potlucks started these secret gatherings and it was just these displaced queer people coming together and bringing the food that they're, that they're, they were cooking their family food from their bloodline that, you know, just abandoned them. And it's all coming together in such a beautiful potluck scene. And we're exchanging ourselves via food. So it's, you know, and it, it's not, it's culture, race, religion, gender. It, it's this intersection. Queer food is an intersection of the spectrum of, of being queer in the world and how it crosses in religion and, and culture. It's just, it's so fascinating to me and we don't talk about it and we're navigating and trying to build our own narrative. And so my definition isn't an actual definition, but it's the process of finding that definition for for us to of be able to, for our history and for us to be able to actually explain like there is a, such a thing as queer food and queer hospitality. We have started talking about it, and now it's our responsibility to define that and and share that history and share what it actually is. Absolutely, and um, talk about bringing the gay history to the pod, right? I actually didn't know about these lesbian potlucks. Shout out to all the lesbians out there. We love you. But what what got me is that for quite some time, um, like in like around 2010, um, every year I would throw something called Big Gay Thanksgiving where I would cook three courses of Thanksgiving, right? The rules yeah. were you weren't allowed to bring food, actually. It wasn't a potluck. I did it all. <laughs> but, and, um, right? Because, listen, people get mad at me for it, but I was like, you know what? I know I can cook, so let me just cook and you bring yeah, the booze. Just enjoy. You know? Just enjoy the environment. Let me do the work. Absolutely. And it was um, as big as it got, it was like 20 some odd people, right? That I was cooking for out of this tiny kitchen. And it was it was that that relation of oh my god because some of it was family recipes some of it was some of it was recipes that of people I I loved some of it was recipes that I found and loved you know and that all kind of came together in this 
massive thing. And then, of course, there was that one homosexual who did the tablescape and then the one homosexual that organized everything and then the one homosexual, the other homosexual that like cleaned everything, you know, we all have like, our skills. it all came together. <laughs> Hello. Right. Um, and so it was it was that coming together and that queer food aspect that really like led me to wanting to start there with you because how beautiful is that? And like, it's in a way that I've never actually thought about it, you know, as queer food. Well, yeah, that's that. And even relating it now to, you know, me just taking a side job for fun or lack thereof um, and and running around this place a little carefree uh, in a sense of like with my painted nails that have rainbows on it or with like a flag hanging out of my back pocket and people really celebrating that, you know clients, the good ones at least, really celebrating that, being like, oh, I love that. Where'd you get that done? So on and so forth. And I was like, oh, this is queer hospitality. Yeah, because you're creating and, you know, and in food media, they want to talk about the chefs and the restaurants, but we sometimes forget to talk about our home cooks and just what we're doing with our families and with queer hospitality. So you have queer food, which is, you know, what we're cooking and why we're cooking it because we're creating family and we generally are and as cheesy as it is cooking with love and intent it's intentional um but then with the potluck we're creating that hospitality where we're saying anyone and everyone is welcome in this space and we're going to respect one another and we're going to talk we're going to support you know these potlucks you know i i think you know gay brunch is just a new version of you know the lesbian potlucks and it's where we 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 come out to our friends or we introduce, you know, someone who just came out and is looking for that family or we just lost a love, you know, or we're moving to a scary new place and we're going to lose our chosen family. It's it's creating this environment where we can just breathe and like have a sigh of relief. But when we work in restaurants and these restaurants intentionally hire, you know, queer staff and celebrate them and and, and support them then that environment is still an extension of hospitality. You know, do you know Unless how many times in, in, in the South I've had to wait on conservative people that I know 100% hate me because I'm queer, but I still, I'm like, you know what? I can still give you representation of why the queer community are still people that deserve love and respect and equality. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail in such like meaningful ways that you aren't even going to realize it. And then you're going to have that aha moment and be like, damn, like I was wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And even some people, right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gay that loves a nail. And um, somebody the other day was like, why do you only have um, a straight male, a straight presenting male? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't, Actually, I didn't ask him how he identifies, but straight presenting bro. <laughs> Why do you only have two? Two painted. And I said, well, my hands are in and out of water, touching all sorts of things, dirty, you know. Um, they'll get ruined really quick. And I don't like, it's just a lot of maintenance. Yeah. And so I get, to, I get to have my cake and eat it too. And I was waiting because the way he asked was a little confrontational mm-hmm. and a little judgmental. And I was like, okay, where are we going? And he was like, oh, Oh, okay. And then he he seemed 
he seemed to like kind of absorb and accept mm-hmm. and then was like, yeah, I like that. Okay. And then, and then we kept it pumping. That moment you know? of processing where you're just like, am I going to have to get defensive now and like put my guard up or are we going to take this into a more of like just a casual conversation? Well, we learned that in restaurant yeah. culture because like you said, the, um, we, we often, mo- we more often than not hear about the chefs and, and whatnot. And, um, you talk about a lot this a lot too. The toxic masculinity, the hyper masculine kitchen culture, right? Um, where it's just really male dominated, real toxic, passed down um, because you know people aren't willing to change the culture. People are just absorbing the culture and then continuing it on. And I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it live on even today. Oh, yeah. You know. Oh yeah. And so where we. We inherently, as gay people, are already on the defense. And then, especially in the restaurant world, it's that's even more heightened because of where we work, right? Or who we work with behind the line, you know? It, and, it, and, it, and it carries on into the front of house, too. I mean, there's, there's a whole different dynamic. And if you work in a restaurant where back of house and front of house work close together, it's even worse. And it's... I've seen my fair share of brutal situations that I will <clears throat> never, ever put myself in again. And I will work tirelessly to, to prevent it from happening to anyone else. That, that's, that's the interesting thing, right? Especially walking back into a place that was my own choice. That's the difference yeah. these days, right? <laughs> and that's, what I, that's actually what I love about this. That the difference is, is that this was a, a willing choice that I made, not out of necessity, but out of just like, oh, I'm just going to do this, yeah. you know? And so the the mindset is different and the attitude is different. And so I was like, and so the things that I accept and won't accept are completely different. Yep, absolutely. I was like, oh no, we're not doing that, right? Because I don't need this like this, you know? And, but to walk back in and see this thriving and alive and well after we've been through so much, I was like, how are you still carrying on this negativity and this toxicity after all that we've been through. And, and and even still, like, if it comes at me across, I was like, yeah, we're not doing that. I'm like, I'm not doing that with you. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's insane. It's insane to me that people still carry on these behaviors, especially when, you know, yes, it's talked about. And I do think when we do talk about queer food or queer chefs, you know, they always want to talk about, Oh, how was it for you? Like they, they, it's almost like we are obsessed with, you know, the brutality of the way we're treated, and it's almost glamorized. Well, well, uh, well, yes, absolutely. And I'm like, blame Hollywood. I'm like, why blame Hollywood? Yes. And I'm like, hold on a second, because all the all the gay stories, like you got me, you got me riled up this morning. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> no, but. Think about it. Think about all the ninety six percent of gay media, right? Hollywood film, mm-hmm. right? Is all death, despair, heartbreak, you know, beatings, hate crimes, um, AIDS, yeah. uh, all of it. And where are where are the stories that are just you know positivity? So yes, we we live and thrive in that culture, right? And I talk about it here a lot too. Yeah. Listen, I am not. I am not the exception here because these are the I'm t- I'm allowing people like you a platform to to tell their stories like that right and the, and we need to hear those stories cuz they're important absolutely yes. but at the but at the same time 
how are we changing it? How are we, how are we, exactly. you know, fostering a better environment? And what I find these days, right, because I've made a choice and because my attitude is different and I'm navigating the space differently, what I won't accept, people don't know how to respond to mm-hmm. because everyone else around them is accepting it. And I'm like, nope, that's not okay. Right. right? right. And we either can move on or you can change, like, absolutely, or we can't talk. And I, I face it almost every day when, you know, because I, I do freelance writing and so I'm pitching stories and I'm navigating what I'm trying to do with my life. But, you know, they always want, like, they want to hear my struggles. And I'm like, I have said my struggles. I wrote that once. I've touched on it a few times. I've, I've, I've put it out there. Can we now talk about how we're going to make it better? Can we now talk about the other things that we aren't talking about in our history and what is happening currently in our community? Um, can we celebrate, you know, the individuals and the families and, you know, how we are putting together the way we function in the world when all we are are represented as these people who've just been abused, beaten, and died from a disease? Absolutely. On on the other side of this, on the other side of that, and you have uh, an incredible article on Eater. Uh, shout out to you, Eater. Um that defines and tells your story in that way. You know, we hear a lot of coming out stories on the pod. We hear a lot of struggle and strife on the pod. We hear a lot of great things on the pod, right? I don't not necessarily like to qualify good or bad mm-hmm. here. But, um, you know, because I don't, I don't like to qualify because sometimes the struggle is the reason that people have come through and... Sometimes the struggle is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes the struggle is the reason for the glow up. Absolutely, no, you know? I agree 100. And, and so, and so, if there's someone out there, very young or very old, that's going through something not so great, it's it's from whence we came to where we are to give hope. Absolutely, you know? and and so coming, we are. I am a, a custodian of your stories, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, Justin, have blessed me, right, with your words today, right? And so I'm holding on to that in hopes that maybe somebody hearing this, right, will come through and be like, look at him. Look at what he's doing. Absolutely. Right? Look at what they're doing, right? And yeah. how beautiful that is. And I, I think, you know what I mean? No, and I, I, I completely agree. And I think for me, like I've, 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 in that Eater article, I got real. <laughs> and and I look at it and I, I didn't realize what I was doing when I wrote it. I think I was writing it as just, I needed to get all that out. And it, it was the first thing I ever wrote. I, I, get, I mean, I, I wrote many years before, but in the food world and it was raw. And it, I just, I was tr- completely transparent. And now as, we, as, I, as I'm going in my career and I'm, I'm trying to continue the, the story and, you know, open the door for others because now I have a platform. So how do I use that? You know, I think I got the door open a little bit. Now I want a bunch of others to come in and just knock that door down and and run with it. But it's, it's almost exhausting when you, when someone asks the same person over and over again to relive their trauma, we need to respect that. And I think, and that's what kind of what I meant was a lot of media wants to just continue us to relive our trauma over and over again, but doesn't, very poor job of allowing us to talk about how we came out on the other side, what you were just saying. You know, we need to pour more attention into, well, now how have we progressed? How have we moved forward? 
Um, yes, and that's hard absolutely. to do. And you are, and you are a person of the world here. People, people know who you are. You're, you know, you're, you're a little bit of a gay celebrity, if I may say. <laughs> well, thanks. And, and, and so, listen, I bestow it on you. Just take Thank it you. and run. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but. You know, some of the joy of having this platform and some of the joy of meeting people like you is that um, a lot of people like you, mm -hmm. like me, right, who who maybe not have not reached, you know, uh, double digits on Instagram, triple digits on Instagram, or however we're going to qualify uh, gay liberty gay liberatism, if that's even a word. It is now. And um, <laughs> haven't, haven't had a chance to get it out, mm -hmm. to get it out, I find. And so, I, I, once again, part of the joy of doing this is, is, you know, after pressing stop on the record button, people telling me, I've never said that before. I've never told that story before. I've never had the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I was never comfortable before saying X, Y, and Z. So thank you. And I'm like, oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's very um, and it's important. It is very important. And I, when I wrote that piece for Eater, you know, like I said, I had no idea really what I was doing. Um, and when it was published, I was like, okay, it's out there, cool. I thought I would just go on living my normal life. Um, and then all of a sudden, my DMs and email and were just flooded with these. With nudes, with yeah, lots of nudes. <laughs> with with all of these these queer chefs or queer home bakers or just queers in general, um, just asking for help. And I, I'm a person who puts the weight of the world on on their shoulders. And I was like, well, shit, I got some work to do. Like, I just. I've started this and it would be irresponsible for me not to continue this conversation or to do something. And that's what I've done. I It's not a vanity project. I don't care if my name is out there. I don't usually need to hear me talking. I, I feel like my story has been told. But it is important for me to be a vehicle for others to get their stories out there and for others to share their representation because the queer community, it's a big spectrum and it is beautiful. And, you know, we have just scratched the surface of what we're doing. Yeah. And this is why I was so excited to have you on and talk to you, because although we don't know each other, there's uh, we I think you and I are doing a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of symmetry between what mm -hmm. you are doing and what I am doing here. And I think it's I think it's a really beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and. Uh, and you know what? I think it would also be a little irresponsible if I just didn't take you out for a little bit of a break from all from all like the serious yeah. and all the uh, and all like the, you know, the the queer food talk. Right. Just take you out to the audience's favorite part of the pod and my favorite part of the podcast. A little something I like to call. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. 
food news updates. Mm. Yay. Let's see if I'm actually up to date. There's a ketchup shortage, so we may have to take matters into our own hands. Yeah, did you hear this? No more ketchup, y'all. No. Girl. I mean, (laughs) are we really running out on ketchup? Apparently. (laughs) Is this this Uh, pandemic related? Like we just ate too much in our homes? It's exactly that. So according to the takeout.com, thank you. Shout out to you, the takeout. Apparently, there has been an increasing demand for individual to-go ketchup packets because of all the takeout that has been happening. So there is a major shortage. And Mm -hmm. Heinz ketchup being the, like, holding, like, a large percentage of the market in ketchup itself is reporting, like, a major Uh shortage in ketchup packets. Whatever are we going to do on the heels of July 4th? <laughs> do you, do you think people you know people like hoard ketchup packages in the refrigerator after takeout? Um, like I know my family did. I thought it was really gross. My mother does. I know I bet- people that have full drawers of like random sauce packets, and I'm like, are you ever going to use any of this? These people are the ones that took all the toilet paper too and paper towels and yeah, you know what? <laughs> damn, damn homosexuals. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hawk, if you love homosexuals, you heard that? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know whatever we are going to do. Apparently, Heinz has like, uh, there's been an update that Heinz is now up their production of uh, packets by 25%. So hopefully we will eventually see more ketchup out there. I can tell you firsthand that the amount of ketchup that I hand out on a nightly basis is obscene. I'm not... It's I ridiculous. used to be a huge ketchup child, and I am no longer. I can I can do without, actually. I'm okay. I'm okay with or without. Like I, I mean, I yeah, I agree. I used to be like... You know, I grew up in a small little trailer park in the middle of the desert, and so... We would put like ketchup on eggs. I used to put them on. I used to put ketchup on bean and cheese oh, burritos. Delicious. I don't know why. Sounds great. I mm, used to put. I tried it now as a dog. My, it's not my great. mother. My mother <laughs> makes the most delicious white rice, a Puerto Rican white white rice that you've ever had. And as a child, white rice and ketchup was my favorite thing. Right. We do favorite. Weird I as mean, kids. once like uh, big box stores opened up, like Costco or something, uh, she used to buy like the big mega jugs. Right, I would go through yeah. like like water. Do you think with this ketchup shortage, they're going to bring back the colored ketchup? They're like, well, bring it back, Un- uh, unlock the vaults. We need the the purple and green. Oh, gross, <laughs> gross, gross, gross. I know we do not need any ketchups of color. Uh, in the <laughs> but then Heinz would be like, happy pride. <laughs> oh my god, someone made. Uh, I saw a meme of like someone made uh, Hellman's Gayo, and it was like rainbow colored. Mayo, disgusting. No, thank you. I don't think it was. I don't think it was real. I hope it wasn't real. But gross. Mm. You know, I'm more like a ranch or spicy mayo, like chipotle mayo kind of gal. 
that's that's where I am. I'm, I'm just not. anything spicy. I'm just a spicy person. I'm just yeah, spicy. That's it. Anything well, hot. I, I, you know what? I don't think Justin and I are here for a ketchup shortage, or maybe we are. I, I guess we're indifferent, right? Because we don't really care <laughs> that much. Yeah. But Heinz, get it together <laughs> and figure it out, please. Masterpiece Cake Shop promises to appeal judge's ruling in favor of transgender woman who wanted a birthday cake. Boo. What? You know, why are people terrible, Justin? Why are people terrible? So let me, hold on. Let me get this. Let me, let me comprehend this. Do you want to suss it out Um, for yourself or do you want me to tell you about it? Why don't you just tell me about it? Because I, I might do a deep dive and we'll yeah. be in a completely so Masterpiece different Ca- podcast. Yeah, right? <laughs> Masterpiece Cake Shop is the Colorado bakery operated by a devout Christian and staffed by his family. And they want to appeal an adverse ruling by a local judge in favor of a transgender attorney who requested a blue and pink birthday cake to celebrate her transition, period. Dumb, right? What this is hell? also, what I think hell? this is also, uh, thanks to lawandcrime.com um, for this, but this is also the same uh, cake shop that was previously sued by a different plaintiff for refusing to bake a cake for a gay wedding. I mean, first and foremost, if you look up, I'm sure, you know, the internet is abound with reviews. And so I'm sure when you look mm-hmm. this place up, that immediately comes up. So A, why would you go there? But we're not going to blame the victim here. We're not about that. Right. But B, like really with this, are we are we still doing this? Right? Are we still just not baking cakes? I mean, also, how was it hard for you just to make a pink and blue cake? Yeah, there was, like, how there was, was no that? statement. There was not like happy coming out on it or anything. It was literally a pink and blue cake. Right. I mean, it could have, I mean... Okay, well, yeah. Screw these people. <laughs> like I, I mean, that's. I mean, when you. No, no, ma'am. No, I can't. Right? No, um, I, I actually, I, I picked this just because I was so mad about it, and and because you're a baker. But there's no more to be said about it than like, uh, like you, this is you, just wrong. you are going to burn in hell, master masterpiece cake shop. Yeah, yeah, and. And that's it. And we are not here for it. You get a boot for that. And last but not least, uh, on an upswing, Mother Duck and Babies enjoy a field trip to Brooklyn Bagel Shop, proving that bagels from Brooklyn are the best in the world. <laughs> okay. I needed um, I needed opposite sides of the, I mean, uh, uh, of the spectrum here. <laughs> I love that. I appreciate this. I mean, it's cute. That's cute. Yeah, I mean, so these ducks, basically, I mean, um, this is also from yeah. the takeout. Um, basically, uh, these ducks, this mom and these baby ducks just strolled up into this Brooklyn bake shop. Shout out to Bagel World in Park Slope. And, you know, they took a, a tour around the bagel, the bagel bake shop, you know, ordered some ordered yeah. some locks and the works on an everything bagel and <laughs> strolled on out. <laughs> They're yeah. my people. <laughs> um, I mean, think about it. I mean, let's think about this. They probably are fed scraps of bagels all the time from just tourists and residents. And the ducks got smart. And they're like, we'll just go to the source, which is this bagel shop. Right? I mean, <laughs> I, I was here for it. And I, I don't know if you saw that um, maybe last month or a few weeks ago, L.A. was trying to claim best bagels ever. 
Yeah, and I'm sorry. I'm from California. No, it ain't happening. Absolutely like, not. Shut absolutely it down. not. And I want to I want to be like LA, great. California, you can have the donuts because I agree. The California donuts are amazing. But like let the other people right? have something. Right. And 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 listen, I've been to New York and Brooklyn and all a lot. There's some really damn yes. good bagels I, there. I'm actually a Bialy so. kind of gal. Have you had a Bialy? Okay. Right. Not have, a lot of people yeah. know about the Bialy. I'm I'm Brooklyn born and mm-hmm. raised, and so like Bialy is okay. a part of my heritage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but not really. It's your, it's yeah. You know? No, they're delicious. I wish people. We should, we should, we should promote yes. this. Um, folks, in your mouth listeners, if you don't know what a Bialy is, look it up because I don't have, <laughs> I don't have a de- definition of a Bialy, but the, the bread, I guess maybe the, the flour, maybe you as a baker, Justin, can tell me the difference. Maybe the flour used is different because it looks like, um, like a thinner bagel, but the whole mm-hmm. of the bagel, the whole is filled with like <laughs> the garlic filled. and, you know, she's a prep queen. Hello. Um, the, yeah. <laughs> um, the whole is filled. <laughs> Are we talking about bagels or something else now? Um, the, with yeah. garlic and like spices and things like. You know, honestly, so I've never made them, so I can't speak on their behalf. But if I'm going to just go off of like intuition assumption, I think it also might be the way they're baked. Because you know, like how are boiled in, and are then boiled. Baked. or boiled and then. So I don't know if that technique happens with with biology. I don't. Know. Like, they I taste don't, also like a little sourdoughy or something. It might. It might not. Yeah, yeah. I I'm should find out. It up, but I'm going to learn more about this. You know this. what? I didn't have time this morning, nor enough coffee. <laughs> Needless <laughs> to say, the the ducks got pieces of bagels, and somebody walked them back to the park safely. Um, so they are fine and well. And oh. with that, I think that's a perfect and most beautiful way to end food news update. <laughs> Yes. Hopefully that was life changing. You know, you could read that to your son as um or tell these stories to your son as bedtime stories tonight. That should become a like the duck thing should become a story, yeah, like you know a what? kid's Let's story. If there's a publisher listening right now, I'll uh, write you it. and me. Can, can, can this be a joint <laughs> venture? Because uh, I, yes. I'm ready for it, you know? So Yeah, we'll uh, do it. I, you know what? I'm gonna hold you, I'm gonna hold you to it. Um, where did the love for ba- of baking come from? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's what almost every baker says. My grandmother. That's all right. <laughs> um, but that's not, I mean, yes, it definitely was something that I did with my grandmother a lot. Um, you know, my mother was a teenage parent, single. And so my grandmother was more like my mother. My mom was like my sister. And she just made the kitchen a safe space for me. And that's I was always a very creative kid. I was a very sensitive kid. So I wasn't into what the the men in my family were doing, which was hunting and trapping and being bros. Um, not my jam. So I just attached to it. What would, what would they hunt? Like deer? So I grew up in the desert. So it was a lot of oh. like coyotes and badgers and quail and doves oh. and weird, weird things that you, people don't think of for hunting. Hunt for sport or hunt for food? For food. Oh. Yeah. It was, so yeah, I, I it didn't was, know. All right, well, we can eat coyote. Is that a thing? Do we eat coyote? Uh, so the coyote was more not for food, but it was more for clothing. Oh, okay. And like, um, yeah. So that very, my, my dad, my birth father's side of the family, you know, 
were pioneers. That's kind of how we came out to Arizona and California desert. So I think that pioneer kind of mentality trickled down until I came around and I was like, nope. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. One of my, be- um, but yeah, yeah one was- of my best friends, um, I say he has to have nomadic blood in him because he, he literally, if today he felt that he didn't want to be where he is anymore, he would pick up with mm-hmm. like, he didn't even need a small bag. He would pick up and go to some new place and some, and land on his feet. And he's always doing it. And it's like so easy. I was like, you must come, like there must be like nomadic spirit or, or nomadic yeah. like trails in you that like you can do that. So like free and easy. So I can get like the- I'm envious. Yeah. Pioneer spirit of it all. Yeah. And and so it just, that wasn't my thing. I mean, they tried and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't hand, I'm, I love animals and I just couldn't process that as a very young, sensitive human. Like with, I, I just couldn't get it. Um, with that, what was... So the, yeah, so baking just took yeah. on. And then being in that environment, uh, such a juxtaposing, I guess, situation here, like, because that sounds like night and day. What was coming out like then? Well, so where I grew up is it's fairly conservative and I grew up in a Baptist church and I was like, you know, president of the youth group youth choir, I don't know, save people, you know, mission trips. And, you know, I wasn't doing it by a decision. It was just because I was told that's what I did. And that's what, that's the environment I was put in. But I always knew, you know, that I was queer. I didn't know what it meant or exactly how I fit in the spectrum. And so when I turned 18, I decided, and no one had ever left my hometown, and I was the the first generation to do that, the first generation to to go to college and grad school. And so when I turned 18, I joined a performing arts group. I was like, you know what? I love dancing. I love musical theater. I want to be a Broadway star. I'm going to join this performing arts group. And that's what I did. I lived on a bus for a year, and I traveled to all the states. I lived in Spain and London and the Canary Islands and... During that year... Oh my God, the canaries are stunning. I... I love the canaries. I loved it. It was so much fun. And in the environment, they're so different. Like you can literally be on the beach and then all of a sudden you're in the mountains and it's snowing and it's amazing. Um, But I was exposed as a small town kid in a conservative town, like the real world. You know, I saw diversity. I saw different types of religion, culture, races. And it... I was naive. I didn't understand what was what I was being exposed to, but I knew that this was right. And I knew that, you know, I kind of became a hum, uh, humanist. I was like, humans, like the connection between people is where it's really important. And I want to learn more about this. During that, I realized I was, I was queer because I started dating one of the guys on tour secretively. Like we were both in the closet. And then I came home and my grandma... You know, she was older and she was in her bedroom and I was sitting next to her and she just looked at me and she was like, I think you like boys. That's <laughs> like, oh, grandma. Yes. I was like, what? Really? Like, what? And I was like, what if I did? Because I didn't know where it was going. Um, and she was like, it's okay if you do. Like, it's fine. Like, that's cool. I love you. But then, and, you know, may she rest in peace. She did follow it up with just 
don't fall in love with anyone that's not white. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, this, you're so close to, like, proving me wrong. And there it is. And that was pretty, that was, that was disheartening to hear. But, you know, I just was, I continued the conversation. I was like, you're not going to, you're not going to end your life believing this. We're going to, I'm going to get you to see that how you were raised was wrong. We're going to, we're going to change that. And I opened up the dialogue, but so it was, um, still secretive. She, I asked her not to tell the family, but then when I moved to Massachusetts, I was photographed by the AP kissing my boyfriend in front of the state house during one of the rallies that was, um, opposing same sex marriage in Massachusetts. And the next morning we were on the cover of, cause it, we're on the cover of like Washington post times, all this stuff. My family called me and asked me if I needed to tell them anything. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gay. Big old gay. <laughs> By the way, well, that's one way to come out. How, fa- how fabulous. Yeah, but it's been the past 20 years of me really yeah. defining what that is. You know, like, yeah, I think I was just yeah. living as a gay man. But, you know, I'm definitely now as a parent, I realize that I'm I'm still defining it or discuss, realize understanding what it means. But. I'm 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 non-binary for sure, especially as a parent where people say things and I'm like that just doesn't sit felt well with me. Like it doesn't, you know, the very like mother father. It's always these things that I felt, but now with parenthood, I'm like that. No, that, no, I reject that. I reject that that expectation for me to to be that way because I'm a quote unquote father. Or yeah, dad. Yeah. And how yeah. special. It's it's a journey. It is. It is. And I love it. And scary. And, um, I'm a broken record these days, 180 episodes in or whatnot. But you know what? It's a journey. It's scary. It's um it's beautiful to hear in the sense of we just it, we just need to to hear and absorb. And I never realized until I put it. I put that two-part series together earlier this month of just because mm-hmm. I wanted all these stories in one place, kind of like, um, mm-hmm. kind of like the the congressional library or something. How they like take those stories and like yeah. all put them and like when you hear them back to back, there's like a through line through it all, and yet they're all so different and like the coming up, and it's just so important and so beautiful to hear because. From whence, once again, from whence we from whence we came to where we are, and the realization and the growth mm-hmm. that happens. I think that's what it, that's what it is. It's like it's like yeah. seedling to rose. It's a lot of reflection you know? too. Yeah, it's a lot of reflection too because I sit. I'm a I'm a I'm a very independent. I'm good being by myself. Like you know, I was the only child for 14 years, so I knew how I learned how to be by myself and be comfortable with that. And so I, I think to myself a lot, and I think, wow those things that I felt when I was in my teens or in my twenties and now I'm, I'm living my truth. I'm like, Oh man, it would have been so great if I could have been that then. But I also know I was not equipped or supported to do that. And I needed to have this journey of really being able to define, because you know, a lot of people, when I say that I'm, I, cause I I don't confirm it cause I still think I'm discovering it. But when I, when I talk about being non-binary, you know, the first thing is like, what are your pronouns? And I'm like, you know, for me, honestly, I, I, I focus less on the pronouns and I focus more on the representation of others like me and how I can describe that because I'm, I'm like, I'm in the middle. Like, I'm not, yeah, it, and I'm still discovering it, but it's, 
because I think people just want something to feel comfortable with. So they go to pronouns and I'm like, I'm not at that place yet to define that. I'm still on that journey. I'm just opening the conversation to say like, hey, I'm not what you've been taught. Like I'm not X or Y. Like it's, I'm a little bit of, a little bit of everything. And it's fun to, to do this as a parent and as with my partner and, you know, within food too. I think it's, it's just all kind of coming together. Yeah, it's... It's got real emotional and sensitive all of a sudden, but <laughs> it's okay. Listen, we, yeah. We, yeah. we we do it all here. We do it all here. We laugh. We we have laughed. We have cried. We haven't gotten angry yet, and I'm and I'm and I'm okay with that. But you know, I almost got angry with that well, bakery. So, <laughs> I mean, but that's as angry as we've gotten on the pod. And I mean, yeah. this is it's just joyful. In, in in the end, it's just joyful in the sense of. Of not only hearing these stories, but celebrating these stories, embracing these stories, and and you know, living within. I you you said something about not not being equipped um, at an earlier age, and I feel I feel very much the same way these days. I'm doing a lot of other people's podcasts. Blessed to be on other people's podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like I'm living my best, like Brene Brown. Gail King life these days because all of a sudden, yeah, what what the host expected out of me because you know I'm loud and I'm and I'm sassy and I, like whatever falls out of my mouth and I'm dirty sometimes and whatnot. Yeah, that'll <laughs> that'll all happen. But all of a sudden, like we'll take this turn into something real, and I'll be like, well, no, this is what this is, and this is where we have to base this in, and this mm-hmm. is what this is what. And I was like, when did I become this person? Like, when did this happen? You know? When yeah. Did, I turned 40 it's, and I turned um, the corner, you know? It's just, it's really interesting. And I, I talk about it with my family a lot. That like parenthood really helped me to find what I felt. Yeah. And shout out to little Jasper. Oh, uh, yeah. He's right. He's amazing. He's the best thing I ever. Love that. I love that. Shout out and congrats. I mean, such a feat. I think you're the first... First, um, are we are we going by dad? Not to put, throw you into a pronoun box, but um, no. So yeah, I, I I actually go by pop. He um, by pop. Yeah, and he can't cause he can't pronounce pop, so actually he calls me dot <laughs> or dotty. It's cute. Oh, I I actually love that. I'm, I'm like an 85 year old grandmother. He's like yeah. dotty. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that's like it's that's cute. like Kelly Ripa being called me ma by like Anderson Cooper's kid. You know, yeah. And it's, it, I think it helps too because, you know, my, I co-parent with my ex-husband and it's beautiful. I, I love our family and I'm, I'm so happy that we established that relationship to keep our family connected. But, you know, like he's dad and then he has a fiance. And so like, you know, I'm, I actually don't know what Jasper refers to him, but, you know, it's probably something like daddy. And then, you know, I have a partner and, you know, he's, he's daddy L and it's, you know, and we allow Jasper to define what he wants to call us. And he's just now at that point where he'll he'll hold up, like right now it's been eggs because he has a play kitchen. He'll hold up two eggs and be like, two dads. And I'm like, yeah. And then he'll like pick up and he'll be like, dad, mom. And then he'll be like, mom, mom. Um, and it's just so beautiful to see this child understand the complexities of the world in such an innocent way yeah. and genuine so it's 
I love that. It's changed my life. Yeah. Oh my God. Now you're going to make me cry. (laughs) 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 I'm I'm exhausted and overly emotional. Oh my God. What is, before we close out, what is next for you? What's next on the list? Tell the kids everything. (sighs) Yeah. Why the deep mm. sigh of it all? (laughs) No. Because... I'm very goal oriented and but I'm thorough. I don't do anything on impulse anymore. I want to make sure it's it's good. Um, you know, restaurant life is not in the books. It's it's too difficult with a family that I have right now and that's okay and I think I did my time. And writing is is I'm, I love writing and I love being able to 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 write about queer food and and what it means, but you know, I I really want to write a cookbook. That's, that is my number one passion and what I, I want a cookbook that represents queer food and help with that continue continuation of defining queer food and, you know, and incorporating potlucks into that. And, you know, I have this vision of just the imagery of it, not being so on the nose, you know, being showing readers the other side of being queer and queer food that isn't exposed that that hidden history yeah so that's what i'm working on and it might not be a cookbook it might actually just be a book yeah like you know documenting our history but that's I'm hoping yeah, to do it. I, I, we'll I fully support. I fully support and you can ring me anytime hey. for any for any uh Awesome. I I feel like I make a great like partner. So like feel free to hit me up, right? <laughs> awesome, uh, yeah. I, for sure. I, I like takes a yeah, village. It does. It sure as hell does, honey. Um absolutely. Give the kids <laughs> give the kids all the social handles, where they can find you, how they can find you, how they can slide into your DMs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So both Twitter <laughs> yeah, is like, this your dirty know. Twitter? Um, is, this, Twitter? is this the only fans? <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, here's my only fans. No, my God. Speaking of this, I could make a lot of money because the moment I became a parent, people were like, "Daddy," I'm like, "Uh, I don't see it like that." But cool, like you're cute. Like people thank you. Call, people <laughs> like, call me Daddy all nights. the time. I was like, oh, I guess it is I so. Guess. It is so interesting. I joke with my partner. I'm like, well, at least I have options. Hello, <laughs> hello. Okay, no. okay. <laughs> So Twitter and Instagram, I'm big on Instagram. Like that's my main platform. It's Justin Uh T.S. Burke. And the T.S. are just my two middle names. Lovely, lovely. We love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on and and playing and having the conversation with me. This has been such a special day. And I'm really, really appreciative of you just coming here. And um, I love that we've connected in this way. And hopefully this isn't the end of us. Absolutely not. In your mouth, listeners, I hope you have a great week out there. If you're new around here, or you know what, even if you're old, please take two seconds and swipe down on whatever platform you're listening to and rate and review. I don't care if it's two stars, three stars, or five stars. It better be five stars, bitch. But but legit, it makes a huge difference. Like, two seconds. It takes two seconds to be like, oh my god, he's great. Um, Or, oh my god, he talks about penis too much, or whatever. And um, it it takes two seconds, and it makes a huge, huge 
huge difference. And it just supports people like myself and like Justin, right? And it gets the word out and more and more people get to hear these stories. Other than that, go out and get some vitamin D. And <laughs> as always, thank you for listening to In Yo Mouth. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader. <laughs>